0: Radio Podcast. I am Jen, GR mom, joined as always by GR dad. Hi. And this week we're going to be talking about the science that the girls do and who knows what else is going to work its way in here. First cocktail of the week. This week we're drinking shrubs which are like old school things people use to make drinks. Uh, Hopper's also licking a bowl in the background so if you hear weird noises that's what that is. So a shrub is vinegar and sugar and usually fruit If you want to make one, you can take whatever kind of fruit you like. Peaches work really well. And you just do one part fruit, one part sugar, one part vinegar. Don't use, like, white vinegar. Like, apple cider's good, but you can experiment with different kinds. And uh, you stick that in a pot and kind of simmer it until the sugar's dissolved and you've got a lot of good juices out of the fruit. And then you strain it so you just have the liquid left. And that's the shrub, so it's very vinegary but also sweet. And then you can use that to make drinks. So I'm actually having non-alcoholic drink tonight just with ginger shrub that I actually bought and seltzer water. GR Dad is having a peach bourbon shrub cocktail, and it's just one shot, which is an ounce and a half, of peach shrub and one shot of bourbon. And you put it in a glass of ice and top it with club soda, and it's fizzy and refreshing and delish.
1: It's very good. Yep, and you can just drink the shrub with alco- without alcohol, just to be clear. It's good.
0: Yeah, I'm having mine without alcohol, so there you go. And you can buy shrubs online. If you have, like, a good liquor store, they will probably have some, but it's a great time to make your own shrubs because you just buy whatever fruit is around and chop it up and put it in with some sugar and vinegar and cook it, and you've got your own. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the science that the dogs do, and there's kind of two science projects. The big one, which Hopper and Venk are doing, and then Venk also just finished up a smaller one, but I think we'll talk about the big one first.
1: Yeah, it's really science that's being done to them. I was thinking about that. They don't actually do the science.
0: I don't know. I think Vink really feels like she is a scientist. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> She's giving, giving us... Her a lot of credit. Giving us this real dumb look right now. Uh... So Hopper and Vankman are both uh, participants in the Morris Animal Foundation's Golden Retriever Lifetime Study. This is a really awesome research project. So the Morris Animal Foundation is a like nonprofit that does lots of animal research. They have done some super interesting stuff in the past. They've found cures for feline cancer and tracked like big disease outbreaks and really have done amazing work. And so they got a ton of money to basically study cancer in dogs, but it could potentially have impacts for studying cancer in people. And so the way that they're doing it is that they have 3,000 golden retrievers who all enrolled at about six months old, I think between six months and a year. And they're gonna follow those dogs for their whole life. So it's kind of like a 15-ish year survey. And every year, they go in and they do a bunch of tests, which we'll talk about. And the idea is that golden retrievers are all kind of similar genetically, and so they're going to follow the dogs and see which ones develop cancer and why, and they have genetic profiles on all the dogs and tons of other information, and the hope is that they can nail down genetic and behavioral and environmental factors that lead to cancer in dogs, which is the big goal.
1: So Hopper and Bank are guinea pigs.
0: They're guinea pigs. Guinea goldens. <laughs> uh, so they both... I knew about the study before we got them. And so as soon as we got them, we enrolled them. At uh, And so you had to wait till they're six months old. And so there's two main things you have to do as an owner with a dog in the study. You have to do a big kind of enrollment and annual physical. So the Morris Animal Foundation sends you this giant box of like tubes and instructions and all this stuff. And it's like a mega vet visit. So you go and they have to take like 20 tubes of blood. Sometimes Vink has had to be drugged a little bit to get her to hold still for that. Um, Nail clippings, hair clippings. They measure them. They weigh them. I don't know what else they do, pee samples, poop samples, all of that goes to the Morris Animal Foundation. Uh, when they enroll, they also do genetic sequencing on the dogs, and then every year they go in for that vet visit. And then you also have to fill out a survey every year. And the survey, I'm like a super fast form filler like i'm great at filling out forms and doing surveys i always get them done super fast and it takes me 45 minutes to finish this survey it's like 80 pages uh it's
1: super detailed about everything that you do with the dog and everything about the dog's life
0: it's like so there's a section on water what is the bowl made out of that the dog drinks out of? Is it stainless steel? Is it ceramic? Is it plastic? What are your pipes made out of in your house? Do you have a well? Do you have municipal water? Do you have a cistern? Uh, Is the water treated? All of this stuff, uh, yeah what kind of food do you give them how much do you supplement with vegetables what kinds of vegetables how much in tablespoons or cups how often do you give them that what kind of snacks do they get uh how much time do they spend outside when they're outside how much of it's on grass how much of it's on concrete how much of it's on asphalt how much shade do they get like every single detail about the dog's life
1: do you put the lamp licking in there
0: there actually is a behavioral section of like weird psychological stuff about your dog, and so there is like, do they lick unusual objects? Yes. That's in there. Uh, do they chase lights? Which Hobbs yes. and Vink both do, kind of obsessively. Uh, there is one that we get to say no to in the weird behaviors, which is, do they snap at invisible flies? Which they don't, but your dog dog from a previous relationship buttercup does kind of snap at imaginary flies doesn't she, she
1: freaks out when she thinks there's a fly yeah
0: yeah so at least they don't have that kind of crazy <laughs> uh but yeah so we fill that survey out every year and uh we don't really get much for it like you have to pay for the vet visit but then they send you a gift card to reimburse you for the vet visit so it's sort of a break-even proposition Uh, but it's great to be kind of contributing to it because if you have a golden or if you've had one, you know that they basically all die of cancer. They have a really high rate of cancer in goldens. And so from a science perspective, it sort of makes them a good group to study if you want to understand cancer.
1: Yeah. If you want to learn more, there's some, a good research on the, uh, internet. There's a podcast called Because Science.
0: (laughs) My very, very first podcast that I did a few years ago, uh, was called Because Science, and I think I made like five episodes. I was just trying to figure out podcasting. But yeah, I did one about the study. I'll put a link to it in the description of this podcast. It was you, good. Thanks. You can go here like baby podcast Jen. <laughs> <laughs> but I interviewed the head veterinarian for the study, and I eventually got him on the radio, too. I uh, I guest host for NPR here in Washington, D.C., and so we had them on the Kojo Nambi show once when I guest hosted, um. which was pretty good. Um, I'll put some links in in case you're interested. If you're super into it, you can actually donate to the study if you have money and you want to give it to somebody good. But they have a lot of money, I think, backing this study anyway. So
1: they should enroll all the dogs in Bark Box or something. Give, like give them an incentive.
0: We do get swag from yeah. it like we've got stickers <laughs> we get stickers we got the little flashy uh lights for their collars this year oh yeah we've had mugs we've got good like a kind of like beach bag like big tote bag that we got when we signed up
1: but it should be for the dogs i know
0: like snacks or something but then that i think would be like screwing up the study because all the dogs would have had snacks
1: all the dogs in the whole study would get the same snacks
0: yeah, but I know what, science. <laughs> I think that's a confounding variable. Ugh. Anyway, so that's the Golden Retriever Lifetime Study, which they're both part of. And then you guys have maybe seen on the snaps or the videos that Vink has been doing some science and the cheeseburger that she got this week was at the very end of that science. So uh, that's a separate study. We are very fortunate to live by a veterinary clinic called VOSM, which is Veterinary Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, We've spent a lot of time and money there. There's a plaque
1: for Vink there.
0: <laughs> it's one of the best veterinary orthopedic practices in the whole world. They do a lot of research there, amazing facilities, great doctors. And yeah, they have done all of Venk's surgeries, her elbow surgeries, her hip replacement, her other hip surgery, all of her physical therapy, her treadmill therapy. We've spent a lot of time there.
1: Yeah, her underwater therapy.
0: yeah. And, uh, and they're great, but they also do research in addition to just treating the dogs. And so they're constantly running clinical trials. If you live by a veterinary school or if you have a really kind of high-end practice by you, you might check their website to see if they're doing clinical trials because just like they do drug trials on people and tests on people, which you may have done in college. I certainly made some money doing those in college. Um, they do those for dogs. And so Venkman was in a study essentially to test the effectiveness of glucosamine for treating elbow arthritis. And she has elbow arthritis because of her elbow dysplasia and her surgeries. And so for this study, they brought her in and there was like a big visit at this beginning and a big visit at the end, which is what we just finished. And they like take fluid out of her elbow joint, So they have to like lightly sedate her for that. Uh, Gait analysis where she like walks over this pad and it sees how much weight she puts on each foot. Except she gets so excited when she goes into the gym where they have this pad that she starts just like jumping around and like zooming back and forth. And so you got to keep her in there for like twenty minutes till she settles down. So she'll just walk across the pad. It's actually,
1: very accurate gait analysis to have her just jumping around. Yeah, I uh, should have her coming downstairs.
0: Oh my god, that would be so funny! To her little like corgi, four-legged. Hop, hop, hop. Uh, yeah, so they do gait analysis and I think range of motion, and blood tests, urine tests, fecal samples. I think, and so that she did that. So she started off with that, and then uh, we did a 15 day visit, a 30 day visit, a 60 day visit, and then it. And those were much lighter weight. They were like half an hour. And then we just finished the 90-day visit where she, uh, she got all the big tests done again. And every day we had to give her a supplement, which we think was Daciquin, which is a you can buy that supplement. Uh, it's like a glucosamine supplement for dogs. So she got one of those every day. And uh, she ended up being in the treatment group. Some dogs were in the control group, and so they just got treats that looked like Dasequin. And if you were in that group, Once you finished, then you had to do the whole thing again, getting the actual medicine. But Vink was in the group that got the medicine to start with. And uh, yeah, so they're going to use that to figure out if it's actually effective with elbow arthritis, which it doesn't seem to have helped Vink from our perspective. I had to fill out a survey each time about kind of what's the best it's been, what's the worst it's been, how did it interfere, and I think my answers were pretty much the same.
1: Yeah, we actually suspected that she was on the placebo because it just seemed like she was actually getting a little worse than her dasiquin eating seesters.
0: Yeah so who knows um but that was good and we got a little bit of money for that as compensation for the time. I think we got like 50 bucks for each visit that we went up for which is good incentive. As a scientist myself who tries to keep people in studies lots of people drop out halfway through so giving them money is a good incentive for them to stay enrolled. And uh, so we got a little bit of money, by Vink some cheeseburgers.
1: We're going to put in a trust fund and she can have it when she's 21.
0: That's right. 200 bucks for Vink if she turns 21. Yep. It buys a lot of dog stuff, actually. No. 200 bucks in dog dollars is a lot.
1: Shouldn't be spending it when she's little.
0: Yep. She's too young to make those Irresponsible. decisions. You're <laughs> responsible. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That's all the science that the girls do. And so uh, generally, if you see me posting about them sciencing, it'll be for the Moore's Animal Foundation study, but... You know, If there's other studies I can get Venkman in that will maybe help treat her arthritis or help them learn more, she'll be signed up, and you'll see it on the Snaps.
1: Was Hopper in the experiment about remote pet influencing, or was that before oh, Hopper? Oh,
0: yeah. Um, that, that's funny. That's me doing science. Yep, on dogs. That's great. I'll talk about that. That was before Hops and Venk. That was Pi and K. Buttercup. Buttercup was in that one, too. So I did a study, uh, I think I've mentioned, I'm a professor, I'm a computer scientist, and I had gone to this conference, and uh, and I have like an academic friend, you know, I've met him through conferences, basically the same conference every year, and I was at this conference in Vancouver, and we went out, like a bunch of us went out, we had some drinks, and we were talking about research, and we were like, you know what would be great is to like study if you can like video chat with your dog. And then we did it, (laughs) uh, which was a little bit crazy. And I had to go through the animal research experiment training at the University of Maryland Because we were having dogs like do video chat. And so you have to get ethical approval for how you use animals, except most people are doing like lab rats and stuff. And so I'm like filling out the forms and the forms are like, OK, how many animals are you going to enroll? What kind? How are you going to euthanize them when you're done? And I was like, no, we're not going to euthanize any of these dogs after (laughs) they do our video chat study. Um, But that was very enlightening for me to see especially as a vegetarian who's kind of anti-animal testing i mean they try to make sure until you kill them that they have the best life possible but it was disturbing for me Uh, fortunately we just had people enroll their pet dogs and yeah we built a little interface kind of that would work over skype where we'd put the dog in a room with the computer and you could like make it make squeaky sounds and doorbell sounds doorbell yeah There was like a laser pointer. There were like a few different screens, a laser pointer. There was one with just like a little tadpole swimming around on the screen. And we were trying to see like, what's most engaging to the dogs? How do they respond if you talk to them like over Skype? And uh, it was super interesting. Like one, we had this little tadpole that swimmed on the screen. And one of my parents' dogs was in the study. And he laid there for like 45 minutes watching that tadpole on the screen. I think he's the only dog that liked it though. Uh, but they all liked the doorbell and the squeaker toys where you could you could push a button to pick the sound and then we recorded the dogs uh, responding to it, which was pretty cool. And so it seems like a sort of silly study, except now there's actual products out there that you can buy that do this that 100% build on that research that we did. Uh, so it's it's weird because it's one of the projects that I've done that's had like the most practical influence, like there's real products out there now that leverage my research. I think more in that, which was a sort of whimsical side project than in a lot of the stuff that I spent my full time doing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was really interesting. I forgot totally about that, that your dog Buttercup was one of the subjects.
1: She liked the doorbell.
0: Yeah, everybody really liked the doorbell. Even dogs who lived in houses that didn't have doorbells were really intrigued by that we kind of do a little bit of experimenting in the household with dogs or a little bit of science mostly with food with them. Uh, We've gone through a lot of different foods and cycled around on different stuff and snacks and all kinds of things so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. So we've had the dogs we generally feed them natural balance which is like a good high quality brand of dog food and We've had like the duck and potato, and chicken Mm -hmm. and sweet potato, different kinds of that. And then, I think we put them on the fat dogs, and then we took them off the fat dogs, and then Vink gained those 10, 20 pounds. (laughs) And uh, so now, we've have them. I finally, as of this weekend, got them all on the prescription dog food, which is like an overweight management, super low calorie food. And that's just because it's such a pain to have two bags of dog food open and giving them all different amounts. So Jasmine gets like a little bit of cheese or extra stuff because she doesn't need to lose any weight. But frankly, everybody else could stand to lose some pounds in here. So it's fine that they're all on the prescription food. And it's probably 20 bucks a bag more expensive, but whatever. It's worth it for the convenience of it.
1: You have some kind of subscription where it comes in the mail.
0: Chewy. Chewy is not a sponsor of the podcast, but we love them. We should get them to sponsor the podcast. Because, uh, yeah, you can just sign up and get it online. And it's no more expensive than buying it in the store. And if you, like, have a subscription, it's a little bit cheaper. And you don't run out because you can just have it come every couple weeks or however often you need it. It's pretty nice.
1: And we get 20-pound bags, so it's Big, much easier to bags. get it in the mail than to have to lug it around in the car.
0: Totally. Uh, yeah, so... But it's a process for us to switch from one food to the other, especially with Hops, who I think we mentioned in the last podcast, has a very sensitive system. Uh, if you just switch the dog's food, I mean, some dogs are fine if you just give them other food, but lots of dogs will get some intestinal upset if you switch their food dramatically, and Hops is totally one of those dogs. So even if she gets you know, a couple mouthfuls of one of the other dogs' food if they're eating different stuff, She'll have diarrhea the next day. So we have like some powder, Thailand powder, which is like a prescription. It's sort of like a probiotic, bitter tasting powder that she doesn't really like. But you put that over their food. That helps. But you kind of have to switch. And so we'll take like whatever she's getting and then we'll replace it like a quarter of that with the new food for a couple days. And then half and half and then three quarters until we kind of get her all the way over there. So it doesn't upset her system too much. And uh, when they do get upset, you may have seen on the snaps, I'm actually really proud of myself. <laughs> so <laughs> they when if your dogs get upset, if they're vomiting or if they have diarrhea, um, a really good solution to that is just put them on a bland diet for a couple days. And that's basically chicken and rice. Sometimes you'll, you can put pumpkin in there, uh, but we just do chicken and rice. And it's, it's usually like a 50-50 mix, like half chicken, half rice. And I found a while ago that if you just do kind of chunks of chicken, the dogs will kind of try to eat just the chicken and leave the rice. So now I put the chicken in the food processor. So it's kind of the same size as the rice and I mix it all together. But the problem is always, so I'm a vegetarian. We don't keep meat in the house. And I try to keep a little bit of frozen chicken just in case we get to the point where we need to do that. But then it's always like, oh, you know, Maggie was throwing up at night. And so for breakfast, I want to give her chicken and rice, except then I have to like cook the chicken and cook the rice. And I used to have instant rice, but we don't eat instant rice as humans, and so I run out of that. And so then it's like, oh, it's gonna be like an hour of you know prepping breakfast and then letting it cool, which nobody wants to do. So last week, I made tons, I made like four pounds of chicken and six cups of rice, like two rounds through my little rice cooker. And so now it's all cooked and processed and it's in the freezer. So next time I need it, I can just take out like a bag from the freezer and microwave it for a few minutes. I'm so proud of myself, <laughs> logistically, uh, maybe a little too proud. <laughs> but uh, that's a really good, good diet to put them on if they're not feeling good. And we'll usually do it for like a day or two. And assuming that they're, you know, fine on the, the first day you start with the bland diet, they start getting better. Uh, give it to him for a day or two, and then start do like a day of half and half, half kibble and half dry or uh, chicken and rice, and, and then. And we
1: call it bland food, but they love it. That oh is yeah, super popular food.
0: If you see Vink like with her craziest breakfast dances, it's when there's chicken and rice that you can smell in the kitchen, even if she's not getting it. Like she smells it and she thinks she's getting some, and she just goes nuts. But usually if one of the dogs gets it, I'll put a little bit on everybody else's food so they get a taste of it.
1: (laughs) I'll occasionally give out hard-boiled eggs to the dogs.
0: Yeah, that's not part of the bland diet. This is part of the GR Dad Treat (laughs) Allocation Program, uh, which is fine for them. And you tend to just give them the yolks. You eat the whites and you give them the good part. It depends on how loving I'm feeling. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, how did you eat so many eggs? I had help. You had help. Yeah, five dogs helping eat the eggs make the egg
1: go faster. I'll share an egg with all five of them. It's just a little bit of flavor.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. And sometimes I'll come down, like I usually give them breakfast, and you're always at work when I give them breakfast, so sometimes I'll come down, and there'll just be like half a hard-boiled egg sitting in one of the bowls, <laughs> <laughs> like an instruction that this egg is to be given to the dogs.
1: <laughs> For some reason, I didn't give it to them before, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I always give it to them, too. I don't... I mean, what would I do, like throw out half the egg or something? No, no, they all get it, and Hopper especially feels feels your love through the eggs. Aww. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, treats, they all take glucosamine. Vink was not allowed to take it when she was doing her clinical trial, but now she's back on the dasiquin, which really helps them, and we try to keep the treats pretty controlled, so if you've sent a bunch of people have sent us treats off our Amazon wish list, which is great, and that's basically all stuff that Hops can eat and not get upset. Because if we bring in other stuff, the bark box treats are usually okay, but if we bring in some like especially really meaty stuff, Hopper usually doesn't eat it.
1: We tried some weird thing where it's Himalayan yak milk.
0: Oh, and you can microwave it; and it poofs up.
1: Bricks—they're like bricks. It was you on might- Shark Tank. Yeah. You microwave it, it poofs up, but that really sent hops down a bad road.
0: Oh, days. Bad. Everybody else was fine. Well, and I liked it. Loved it. Yeah, it smells weird. <laughs> it's yak <milk> yak- brick. <laughs> brick. <laughs> I think we've still got chunks of that somewhere. Yeah,
1: because I can't n- get it near hops.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so to keep hoppers very sensitive system calm... We have like a few like organic chicken and duck snacks that she can eat and that's it.
1: Yeah, we used to give them all um, these artificial bones called Benny bones. Benny bones, yeah. But now <laughs> they have they each all of them have shattered little teeth.
0: Yeah they were great that was a bit of a fail (laughs) they did a great job at like cleaning the plaque off like maggie and jasmine came in with tons of plaque on their teeth and these were they're kind of the texture of nyla bones but they look sort of like a wishbone and they did a great job like they get all kind of spiky as they chew them and it gets all the plaque off the teeth it's awesome it tasted
1: like chicken
0: yeah they're flavored everybody would get so excited and Now, Hobbs does not have any fractured teeth, but everybody else has tooth fractures. And, you know, it could be from stuff in general, but those are really hard, and they contributed. And so now they have to chew these kind of rubbery, bendy bones, which are fine, and they chew them. They go through a lot of them, but they're not as enthusiastic or happy about them as the Benny bones.
1: Schmiegel did eat rocks for a while, so that could be the teeth, the tooth problem.
0: She did eat rocks when we were in Florida. She was constantly Venk was doing it too because
1: Venk will do any, she'll
0: follow anyone off the bridge. But Maggie'd like come in and she'd her mouth would be all like, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, What are you doing? and she'd be like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you hear it rattling around in there. So we had like a pile of rocks on the little uh table by the door that I'd take out of Maggie's mouth, yeah. Yeah, she could have been eating rocks in the backyard, too, I guess. but
1: She picked the rocks out of your planter.
0: Oh, that's right. We have a, a orange tree in the bedroom. And I have, yeah, first she was eat, eating the dirt. This is right when we got them. She would eat the dirt out of the planter. And so I went down to our little creek and I got a bunch of, like, white quartz river rocks and kind of laid them out in a flat layer on top of the dirt. And then she just started eating the rocks. <laughs> I forgot that she oh, did that. The,
1: the sound of a dog's teeth on rocks—it oh gives me the willies.
0: Yeah, it was bad. We eventually then had to spray the rocks with like the bitter apple spray, which <laughs> is very effective. And now she doesn't try to eat the rocks anymore.
1: I think she gets better things. I guess. Yeah, I know. she
0: knows that like there are more exciting just, snacks. Maggie, they're rocks. Come on. But this is probably why Queso's teeth are worn down. This is common among dogs who are like left outside a lot. Is that mm. they eat. Chew on rocks because they get bored or because they're hungry. Queso doesn't like on one side. You can't even see her teeth. Like if you rub on her gums, you can feel like that—that that there are teeth there. There's like little. There's flat spaces, but they're basically like on the level of the gums because they're all worn down from eating rocks. We think from eating rocks. Or
1: just being really old, but probably That's, also rocks.
0: Yeah, they don't usually get that worn down. Anyway. Don't let your dog eat rocks. (laughs) Take the rocks away.
1: Too sad. Too sad.
0: Okay. So there we go. Science and experimenting on our own dogs, trying to get them healthy and happy and well-fed.
1: Yep.
0: You have a German... Word of the week for us.
1: That you may have seen this already. Naturwissenschaft <laughs> is the word for physical science in German.
0: Naturwissenschaft.
1: Naturwissenschaft.
0: If you go on YouTube, there's a great video of like how you say words in different languages, and there's like a British guy, and an American, and an Italian, French. and French, and then a very angry German, and science is one of the words. Yeah, one of
1: them's, one of them's Papillon and Butterfly and yeah. Schmetterling. <laughs> I'll
0: put the link to that video in the podcast description, too, because it's worth watching. Uh, but Naturwissenschaft is one of them, because it sounds real angry for just science. But it's not. No. It's not. No. Great. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Golden Ratio Podcast. We'll be back next week. Send us your comments. Thanks for listening. Bye.
1: Thank you. Goodbye.